Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. It's not a real show. I don't even know what to tell you. It's just a sham. It's a farce. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's true of all of these, but we're going to go ahead anyway. Also joining us, director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. I enjoy a good sham. He, he does. He's do you, shimmying things right now. Do you, do you know what a sham is, Jed? It's a cloth. Jed's always buffing something here in the studio. I think a, a, a sham is like some form of, uh, uh, you know, blanket of some kind. I think one of Jed's favorite bits is to go into the Target in the area where, you know, the, the cloths you clean your car with and just point them and yell, It's a sham! Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much accurate. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, we are not joined by regular co-host uh, from Christ Union Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Lee Younger. He is busy with the holiday festivities. Uh-huh. As you, if you listen to the show radio, you probably know Lee works at church, and they work them people quite a bit. Indeed. During the winter holiday season. So as Glenn points out, it's not a real show, but we are going to soldier on. It is the first show of 2020, and we ring in the new year. Much in the way we left the old, with profound thankfulness for our awesome Say That Super fans, uh-huh. chief among them, Miss Sarah from Toronto, who sent us Woo. a veritable smorgasbord, or whatever the Canadian word for smorgasbord is, of Canadian treats. Ooh. I think it's probably something in French. I I feel that there is a xenophobic comment that one of us is likely to make to offend uh, large swaths of of Europe. Sure. As I said, we ring in the new year the way we left the old. Uh, we've got we've got your ketchup flavored potato chips. We've got your Kinder eggs. We've got Mars bites. We've got all sorts of well, look, delightful the, treats, which I people... did not let near the table to spare you good people the chewing. But Glenn has found a bag he can crinkle. Uh, so just, enjoy that. Let me just say this right now. Because this, we talked about Miss Sarah on the last uh, podcast, and she's a uh, one of our favorites. Uh, uh, and, and Jane uh, went to visit her in Toronto, and she brought back Canadian treats. You know, for a lot of years, we had beef with the Canadians. So true. It was a vicious, vicious feud that we had. A blood feud. Well, as vicious a non-hockey-related feud as Canadians can have. That's right. And... Uh, but we, you know, we had uh, some uh, some concessions were made. Right. Uh, fences were mended. Potato chips were given. Potato chips were given. It was yeah. a very Tim Horton-centric peace treaty. Yeah. Once we, everyone on this podcast had had Tim Hortons, we just didn't have it in us to dislike the Canadians anymore. Yeah, and I think that helped start a process. A journey of healing and donuts. That's right. Well, there's no doubt about it. We are super grateful to Miss Sarah and all our wonderful super fans who not only send us amazing treats, but they send us things that must be commented on, that must be investigated, that indeed must be caused for a state of emergency. What? What? And we have such a thing from good friend of the show, Adam, who sends us a link from a apparel company I will spare what we're about to do to them for the next 10 minutes. So I'll uh, go ahead and not give the name out, but he sends us and I read the ad copy. Let's face it. You and I don't preach the gospel enough. Free bear fruit sticker to help spread the word. And you think, okay, one, that's a bit of an accusation. I don't know what you do in your day, but I spread the gospel plenty. <laughs> uh, designer it is, people. It, it is a little better for my day job. So yes. you know, then you think, well, but bear fruit, that's that's fine. Maybe it's like a thing you put on, you know, you can remind yourself, like, hey, you know, I want to, you put on your mirror, like, hey, you know, go yeah. out here today and do the thing. No, yeah. it's no. Uh, not only is it a pun sticker, it is a, appears to be a black bear holding a pineapple okay. oh. with the words bear fruit under it. Mm. Whoa. The expressed purpose of it is to uh, to get the people talking. Ah. So you put this on your, in your book as it, in your note, your, I'm sure. Fine moleskin notebook. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, as is notebook. shown in the picture, maybe your laptop or whatnot. And I guess the idea is people uh, think, "Well, what a delightful pun!" I wonder if there's any deep spiritual underpinning to mm, it. Right. Um, we're looking around the website. We've got bear fruit. We've got bear witness, which is a bear 
in the witness box. He does have a necktie on, so okay. Absent the pun, I would actually probably get that one. Um, we've got a picture, a car- kind of a cutesy cartoon of uh, John Calvin holding tulips nope. of various covers. Nope. We've got a very confusing, um, kind of in the the uh, style of the Obey uh, street art, which we may have all seen, but it's uh, C.S. Lewis, and it says Lewis 2020, which there's a number of problems with that. C.S. Lewis is dead. He was not American. Um, I'm not saying either of those things prohibit him from being a better president than we've had recently. I'm just saying there's issues with getting there. Yeah, also was not a politician, but yes. yeah. Yeah, uh, the the thing under it is make apologetics great again, which I want. I'm not. I abhor bullying, and I want that on the record. I don't care for it. I've never stood for it, but I deeply want to give the person who came up with make apologetics great again a swirly. Yeah, yeah. Never given someone a swirly, but I feel like I could figure it out. Listen, if we're looking at the British for potential political people, as I sent to the fellas. Women lying in ponds distributing armaments yeah. uh, might be, you know, just a better option. Day by day, it's seeming like a more sensible idea. Maybe yeah. we know he's, uh, you know, the prime minister because he doesn't have certain substances all over him. Sure. That's like right. That. That's right. But I think we, we can mock. Yep. And we will. Sure. Yes. We have. I'm yeah, mocking absolutely. right now. And we're going to mock once the microphones go off. There's yes. going to be a bit of a say that after dark on these. Really, really, really stupid stickers. Yeah. But I think maybe we can turn up a new leaf in 2020. Oh. Maybe we can be yes and guys. Maybe we can roll with it. Maybe we can help these people figure out ways to trick your friends into asking about Jesus. Okay. So you're talking about like a Joker type situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, there's the chump way to do it, which is like, you know, be nice to people and be patient and really embody those fruits of the spirit. And then, you know, when people are having a hard time, they'll ask, well, you seem to do pretty well. What's, what's, what's going on with you? And you can talk about that, but that's real chump stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think a zany series of hijinks is a good way to go. Yeah. Deception on top of deception. Lies upon lies. Exactly. You're talking about playing a long con on these. This is what I'm saying. Setting them up. Yeah. Well, I think there's certainly that. And we can, we can figure out a long con kind of a, an Ocean's 14, an Ocean's 316, if you will. Oh. Kind of long setup. Then there's also, I mean, we, I don't think we should discount the obvious. Just maybe a, a white t-shirt with on black, ask me about my Messiah on it, something <laughs> like that. Right, yeah. Well, I, I but I, I like the idea of sort of, I don't know if you guys know this, but, um, uh, I mean, you guys in the room know it, but the people listening don't know it. I'm talking to the people. Yeah, I'm not talking to you. No, I'm looking at you. Yeah, I'm talking to the people. Sure, absolutely. You're tracking. Saying yes. In Chicago, this was a few years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago. They had a bunch of people who had warrants, and they were trying to arrest them, and they couldn't find them. So they sent them a thing saying you get free uh, tickets to a sporting event or concerts. I mean, they all showed up, and then they all arrested them. Yeah. So. Uh, can we do this with church? Ooh. Oh. See what I'm saying? Like, uh, you, it's a free something. They show up, boom, church. Yeah. I mean, how is that not a great idea? Yeah, yeah. I like. Well, I think the key thing is, as Jesus said, then you will be deceived and your deception will set you free. I Is that what yep. it was? I yep. Close enough. I remember something like that. That's what my that. sticker says. Yeah. <laughs> Well, just as a thought experiment, you know, I'm I'm thinking about stickers that we've all seen in life. And the example that immediately comes to mind to me are the various athletic stickers. Mm. Talking about the simple, the white sticker with the black number on it, right? The the thing that they did, right? And um, to be clear, we're we're not knocking athletics. It's a cool thing. It's a fun thing. You know, have fun doing it. But. At this point, there's a lot of those different numbers out there. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. there's there's the 3.1 because you're in a 5K, which is awesome. That's great. Right. Super, super awesome. But there's a lot of numbers. And so there's a lot of numbers that maybe like you don't know what that number is. Here's the thought experiment. Have you ever seen a number you didn't know on like a car bumper and you just wait for that person to get back to their car? You'd be like, hey, bro, hey, bro I saw your, your interesting sticker with a number I didn't know. Right. What's the number for? Right. Tell me about the number on your sticker. Tell me about your sticker. Right. I need to know. Have you ever Don't done ask that? Don't ask him in that voice. 
Can't trust that enough. Well, if you don't really want that guy talking to you, so... Yeah. You know, that's... Well, my question is, if if you, let's say, someone says, hey, what are you doing for the holidays? And you say, well, uh, I've got this cool organization that I've been helping out, and I I just love it. It's kind of my joy, and so I'm going to go and, and, uh, you know, go to this soup kitchen and, and help hand out some food. Or, you know, uh, Toys for Tots and do stuff sure. for uh, Toys for Kids and whatever. That's just kind of my jam. That's what totally. I'm into. I, I, that that would seem to work. Yep. Like, if you were doing a thing, yeah, it could be a thing that you talk about. That, sure. that I'm doing a thing. They say, why are you doing it? Well, Jesus. Okay, we're there. Sure. Or it could be a really clever sticker. Ooh. I mean... I, I'm not knocking the sticker. I'm just saying, have we passed much, much better things on the way to it? Glenn, I don't want to answer that question, so I'm not going to. Instead, okay. I'm going to take it to an totally. even more insane place. Oh, oh I'm this talking- is our bread and butter here. All right. Well, I mean, to be clear, the reason that I don't want to answer that question is uh, it harshes my mellow. Oh. I, I want to use zany and advisable stickers. I see. In place of... so. Uh, again, you, I, you just want to be zany, period. I, I, I want to be so. I, so I don't want to answer that question, right? So I'm, I'm not gonna uh-huh. because the, what I've discovered is in life I don't have to do anything I don't want to do, right? That's really what Christianity is about. Yeah, don't call me on this dumb idea I'm having. That, that welcome to church. <laughs> okay, with, with with that settled and with that established, all right. All right here's what I'm saying. We're going to go, and I think we've got a couple options here. We've got some of the prophets like Ezekiel. We've uh-huh. certainly got stuff in the book of Daniel. And man, Revelation's loaded with it. I'm talking about taking ap- apocalyptic figures, dragons rising out of the sea, yep. you know, creatures with a bunch of eyes, oh, yeah. and really cutesy cartoon representations of them. Right. With just a little thing, ask me about the end of the world. Right. That way, you can get into end times discussions with people, but on a friendly note. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you get a lot of Game of Thrones type people, <laughs> or of Babylon. That sounds interesting. Is that on Showtime? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you know, I I think uh, if you're gonna trick the people, let's take that up a notch. Yeah, because there's a lot of ways to trick people. We work with them, sure. Uh, some sometimes that stuff isn't what you would call strictly speaking legal. Uh, but you know that's uh, you know there's all sorts of ways to convince people on things. Sure. If we're if we're leaving out the idea of you know just doing something. Oh, I'm definitely that, not going to do that. Seems very roundabout. You know, but uh, you know, think about uh, uh, I think trapping people sure. in places is good against their will. Okay, no, we're not going to. That's, that's we found a line. I've got it. I've got yeah. it. The whole the escape room trend. Right. That's oh, it. Okay. Just about yeah. No. There, here's what yes. we're gonna do. We're gonna I get think our wives the... are cooking on going. Should have ended this right segment now, right? several minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, they, they are. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna start an escape room, and then people yes. are gonna get in there. Yes. And then we're gonna reveal to them there is no escape. That's right. <laughs> I've started some sermons that way. So to be fair, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna you, because the devil has you trapped. You're his prisoner forever. Can there be a dude? In horns and a pitchfork with paint. Okay, now we're picture. Now yes. we're just pitching yes. Saul as a witnessing tool. <laughs> that it's a very popular movie, Matthew. Very popular. Okay, so I think this is a big hit. And when you, well, you can't escape from the inescapable room. You can only be delivered. It's a deliverance room. Oh, it's a deliverance it. room. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's not a delivery delivery room. Different, different. That's, different. That's Do different not thing. get those mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a deliverance room. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this. It's a not deliverance. the film deliverance. <laughs> There's a lot of banjo. I'm with you. Keep going. <laughs> deliverance. So it's a deliverance room. And then when you finish it, we give you some zany stickers to use as witnessing tools oh, there you go. to get other people to come to our deliverance room. It's, it comes full circle. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic because I think the the thing is, well, we have two options. Right. One is we can go out into the world, be loving, right, supportive, encouraging of people, yeah. lift them up. No. I, I want to go back to I, I I don't like that, not so I'm not going to do, do it. Right. So that's option A. Right. Option B: lock them in a room. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's important the addition of cutesy stickers, and I think the cuter, the mismatch of very very cute image. Versus just kind of really harsh and maybe 
gritty issue of scripture. So the thing I'm picturing is by his stripes, we are healed. Yeah. This is a very adorable cartoon tiger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let you out of the room. Have a sticker. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Hey, uh, it, it, it's 2020 now. As yeah. People listen to this, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, what? let's, uh, let's, let's do be, better. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's let 2020 be the year of, let's be cool. Yeah. Like, don't say anything insane on the internet. <laughs> let's just, let's, let's, cause that's an easy thing. It takes more effort to not say, it takes less effort to not say anything crazy on the internet. You, you're typing away like mad. You know what I mean? Take that time, go outside and breathe. Glenn, I, I, I hate to be a broken record again. I, I don't like that. I'm yeah, this this episode is going to post 15 minutes into the new year, and I already think we're going to be dead in the water on that on that one. So in that case, we'll just go ahead and declare emergency off. Yeah. Of course, we are in the new year, but one thing that will not change in the new year, the new decade, is we're continuing to put out Bridgebox for the oh. fine people, songs, sermons. Uh, recorded live at the bridge, songs put together by Jed Lee, some other very talented friends of ours, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff based around a topic in your inbox on the first of every month. MissionUSA.com slash bridge box. Our topic in January is actually going to be our first question. Uh-huh. We're going to go ahead and transition to that. If you have a question for us, hang us all the way to the end or scroll down to your episode description to find those ways to get in touch with us. First question is our bridge box 2020 topic, and it says, How do I deal with success? Things are going well, and I'm glad. But at the same time, I'm nervous, and I feel like I can't really trust the success or trust myself with it. What do I do? And Jed, you are the head of the Bridgebox program, so I'd love to get you to maybe open us up with talking about why you felt this particular question was one uh, worth exploring and one people were going to get something out of. Well, you know, one of the things that we look for with Bridgebox is a bit of the commonality uh, between both our men and women at the bridge and then also folks that we deal with online, some of whom are podcast listeners. And for a lot of folks, particularly who are coming out of addiction recovery, there's this moment where they've gone through a long season in their lives where they're really not doing well. I mean, they're really, really – things are, are bad. And then they get into recovery and the first – while in recovery, all day, every day, it's just focused on staying sober, just maintaining sobriety and just trying to, to keep kind of body and soul together. And for for folks where they do maintain that sobriety for a period of months, and then perhaps a, a period of, of a couple of years, they get to a place in life where actually things are going pretty well. Uh, they've maybe been holding down a steady job for a while and, and they've been sober for a little while and they're starting to build better relationships. and. There's this dawning realization that I've been in kind of semi-crisis mode for as long as I can remember, where there's, there's always a disaster that I, need to, that I need to solve and I need to fix. And what's the next disaster that I've got to solve? And then they get to a place where there's actually not a disaster I have to solve right now. Actually, things are kind of going pretty good. And for if we're going to be honest, for a lot of the folks we deal with at Reset Point, not only are things going well, they're going as well as they ever have. This this is actually the best things have ever gone uh, in their lives. And in that moment, there can be a bit of anxiety, actually. Just, I don't know how to be in that moment. I don't, I don't know how to exist in a world where I'm doing... I've always been the screw-up. I don't know how to exist in a world where I'm, I'm doing well. And, and I'm pretty sure I will screw it up. Um, but in the meantime, I don't know how to think of myself. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust the good things. Like they could all just vanish tomorrow. So, um, I, I don't know how to have peace in this place that I'm in and I don't know how to operate in this place that I'm in. Okay. So that's all the folks that we deal with kind of on the streets, but I think that there's a real overlap actually for just a lot of folks. Generally, if you think about you go through something um, for a long time. You know, maybe, and, and God forbid, I hope this never happens to you, but you get laid off from a job and there's six months of unemployment. And so just every day is how are we going to make ends meet and how, and, you know, where's the money going to come from and how are we going to get the next job? And then eventually you do get another job. And then the first couple months is just don't get fired and just, you know, don't screw this up. And then you reach a point, maybe six months in, where it's okay and you're doing okay. But you spent the last year of your life in crisis mode, and now things are actually kind of okay, but how do you make peace with that? How do you get into a place where you can have some serenity about it 
and you can begin to just live normal life again. I think that's actually a pretty common thing for a lot of folks. And it, but it's not something that we talk about very often. It's, it's not a question that, that gets directly addressed. So I would offer just a couple of things to get us started. Uh, the first is a very, very simple idea, and, and it feels silly that we kind of have to say it out loud, but it's important. And that is that all of the good stuff in your life and this is true even when things aren't going well, but it's it's more obvious when things are going well. All of the good stuff in your life comes from God. Every bit of it. Okay, so there's this amazing verse. It comes from the book of Deuteronomy, first half of the Bible. And it says this. Uh, it's chapter 8, uh, and it starts, we're, we're jumping around a bit. It starts verses 10, goes to verses 18. After you eat and are full, give praise to the Lord for the good he gave you. Make sure that you never forget the Lord. When you become successful, don't say, I'm rich, I've earned it all myself. Instead, remember that the Lord gives you the strength to make a living. And I think that's a really cool passage on actually a bunch of levels, but I think there's two quick things for us to pull out. The first is to note that actually there is a temptation that we don't really face when things are bad, that we do face when things are good, and that is to take credit for the good things in our lives, to figure out, you know, it's pretty much me. That's why things are rocking now is because I'm awesome and I made it happen. So boom, you're welcome. That's, that's thing one is, is to, to get this funky attitude. But the second temptation that we face is to not know what to do with the good that we've been given. And one of the things that all of us believe and have found to be true in our own lives and it's in scripture is that God gives us blessings so that we can bless other people with them. Um, so that we can turn around and and be kind to others. So when you get to that place when things are going well, one of the questions we really want to take to the Lord in prayer is, God, what do you want me to do with this blessing? What I, I see that you've given it to me, but what have you given it to me for? What am I meant to do and accomplish with this? That's really where that journey comes to life. And what all three of us have found is that's where the fun is. That's where we really begin to enjoy things, it's not just the having of them, but the beginning to learn what God intends them to accomplish. That's a really, really solid place to start that off. It's very, and it's, I really do like getting folks the behind the scenes idea of why we choose the topics we choose to talk about. Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because I think, as Jed is pointing out, there are temptations and issues uh, that we are tempted to come into when we're having uh, an easier time. Yeah. Um, and maybe we're not as prepared for those because it just doesn't get talked about as much. You hear a lot yeah. about in church and books and people's testimonies about what you have to do when things are tough. But if we're still meant to remember God as he's reading that verse and rely on God when things are, uh, at least on the surface, going quite well, what are the kind of pitfalls that puts before us? Well, I th- and I loved what Jed was saying there because I— I I think the key line out of what he was saying there is sometimes when we have success, we don't know how to think of ourselves. Yeah, I think we tend to tell our uh, tell a narrative of who we are to ourselves. You know, I, we we invent a story that explains our life, and then we live that out. Uh, so if you say I am the person who overcomes adversity to achieve great things, and you achieve great things, it all makes sense. If you say, I'm the person who's constantly struggling to dig out from underneath the mess and never quite getting there, and then I get there, I don't know how to think of myself. I don't know what box to put that in. So some of that is adjusting the narrative to fit real life. Some of it is recognizing, as Jed is pointing out, it's more about living a life in service to others. That's where the actual joy and fulfillment is, is in, not in... Uh, endlessly contemplating my identity and what does this all mean about me? Because as the verse suggests, as as we're suggesting, uh, success is fleeting. Uh, success is often uh, comes uh, uh, long after it's deserved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and some of us have lived that out. Uh, but in the same way, uh, we experience negative things that we don't deserve as well. And so it's about looking at all of that and saying, I can't read external factors and say, this is, I am a successful person. I'm a good person. I'm a smart person, any of those things. And again, the verse is making that point. So I think what that does is it leaves us unmoored. It leaves us without a way of assessing where am I at? What you're inevitably then going to be looking at is feedback from other people, whether that's a a boss that's giving you some sort of work success, if it's, you know, 
school success, uh, relationship stuff, whatever it is, you're looking for feedback. What does not only this event say about me, but also how do I operate within this new world, this new success that I have? What you're going to veer towards is one of two different directions in the relationships that you have with people. One is uh, insecurity. You know, are these people treating me this way, or am I am I in a in a uh, in a world where I'm not quite getting the success that I think I should have uh, because they're they're looking down on me, or I've I've got success, but I don't really deserve it, and the, everyone here doesn't think I deserve it. You follow what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Whichever way that goes, insecurity bends everything towards you don't want to give me validation because of you know everything is is madness and darkness and chaos and no one understands me. That's insecurity. But ingratitude's a different thing. If uh, if I am doing thing, if I am trying to achieve success, I'm trying to accomplish something, and I get into that, and I'm succeeding at accomplishing it, but the people that I am helping and that I'm I'm doing for are not thankful. Mm. But there's an ingratitude there. That's different now, because if I'm sure this this isn't a, a process of me looking down on myself, you know that I don't need the affirmation, I know I'm a success, I know I'm doing well here. If I look at that and say, I'm not getting any gratitude, I should be looking at realigning this relationship. And you say, well, now, wait a second, doesn't that mean you're just doing it for the thanks? You don't care about, you know, just helping people, you don't care about being successful, doing a good job, a good good job is its own reward, I often heard in my home growing Mm. up, which is not true. You you do this job to get paid <laughs> like everyone in the planet does. So, uh, but you say, well, so then why should thankfulness be important? And why should people show gratitude? Why should people give you that kind of reflection of that? It's because I need an indication these sacrifices that I'm making in order to achieve the success are valued by other people. If I'm, if you're, if I'm doing it and you don't care, why am I doing it if, if, you, if I don't have any gratitude coming in? So I think it's about making sure you're not in an insecure mindset about the success or lack of success that you're getting and that the people that you're making sacrifices for feel that thankfulness and express it where you can hear it. Because otherwise, let's, let's make sure somebody who deserves it gets it. Uh, so that means serving people is just saying uh, who have a grateful heart. If you start with needy people, you're going to find that. And here's what's going to happen that knits all this together. You, you live a life that's about serving others, not yourself, so it's not about yourself. You sacrifice that need for you know, kudos and whatever have you, but you give that help to other people. They express their thankfulness for you, and you know you're validated in your efforts, and you're validated in your essence and in your character and what your life is and what it's become. Suddenly, you, you, all of your ego needs that you gave up in the beginning are fully met in the end, and it all comes full circle. You have a sense of identity. You have a sense of community with those people. You have a sense of connection with them, and you're all working together. That's the life that God wants for all of us. I That's absolutely right. That was all fantastic stuff from these guys. And again, if you want uh, to hear the sermons that Glenn and I gave at the bridge on this topic, a, uh, a Bible study and some great songs from very talented Friends, you can sign up for Bridgebox at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox, and we'll get that out to you this month. We're going to move on to our second question here. It came in anonymously, and it says, A question just popped up, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. What does it mean to be agnostic? Is it bad? I believe in God, but I don't really have that one religion, hence my agnostic nature. Can you enlighten me on this? Thank you. And Glenn, I, th- I think a good question, I think, as we're going to, as we discuss this, we'll probably get into a term that is not necessarily used accurately or yeah. precisely a lot. Yeah, yeah, you may yeah. hear, you know, atheism and agnosticism kind of thrown in the same way. You yeah. may hear uh, it used as a discussion of like a, um, 
a kind of a demographic category of there's religious, there's non-religious, there's agnostic. What does that actually mean? And what are we describing when we talk about agnosticism? Well, you know, my understanding, the, the dictionary definition is it's, it's literally, I don't know, you know, that, 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 or maybe who's to say would be a better way of phrasing that. Uh, If you have the little Greek, it's, it's a lack of knowledge. Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, I think some people kind of, Take that to the, another level of saying it is unknowable. So if you think you know you're wrong, I have a little bit of problem with that. You know, from the standpoint of just because you don't know doesn't mean I don't know. Sure, I mean, that's you know this the, that doesn't track logically to me. Um, uh, but it is different from atheism, perhaps uh, in the sense that there's a bit more openness. Well, I think that's an important thing. I'd love to get you to talk about that. Of I think we we all have friends who are. For whatever reason, we make it insulated, and a lot of people, honestly, hostile to the idea that there is a God. Right. That could be because church people are jerks. That could yes. be because they have some really traumatic incident that they're not ready to put together with the idea that there's a benevolent force ruling the universe. Yes. There's people saying, a lot of people seem to have opinions I don't know. Yeah. And we really don't get anywhere by treating those as similar footings, right? Absolutely right. Well, let's let's address what you're talking about here. Here's the first thing. If you're a list, if you consider yourself agnostic by any definition and you're listening to this show, I think you're awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I think you, I am fully in favor of you taking your time. I am fully in favor of you thinking about it and exploring it. Uh, I, we want to answer more questions along these lines. Uh, and I also am, uh, I, I'm in, I think it's a good thing, and I'm enjoying the idea that you're exploring these issues. Yeah. That's to me, that's the essence of a life of faith: is is a search for the truth and following that truth and following it where it leads. So I think you're awesome. I don't have any problems with you. You're not going to hear that in any of this. If you're waiting for me to tell you stop being on what you're on, that's not what I'm. That's not my message here. Uh, but let's let's. I think part of what I'm hearing here is is about labels. Because mm. um, here's the weird thing about labels. I don't like using labels because it excludes people. You know, I, we are this. Are you in or are you, are you out? You know, are you one of the cool ones? You can't be in our club if you don't meet our definition of what this is. So right away, that just doesn't feel like a... A, a godly way of thinking of things. This isn't someone whose life has been transformed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and he's he's been walking and talking with God, and he says, "Look, you're either in your or you're out." That that doesn't seem to track to me. So I don't like this idea of excluding with labels or you know, you know saying you aren't one of the pure ones that you can't hang with us. But then there's this other way we look at at religious labels is saying, "I believe." 90% of what this religion believes, but I can't stand 90% of the people in that religion. Yes. So I don't want that label, which is sort of a weird thing. So I'm not going to label myself as what I am because other people who are not what I am would use be, that label. We use that label, and, and I don't want to be confused as being on what they're on. I don't have answers for that. I really don't. I, I think it is about you and your heart and your relationship with God giving yourself permission to go where you and the Lord are taking that, as opposed to uh, trying to identify who you are by saying, this is what I'm not. I am mm-hmm. not one of these. I'm not one of those. I'm not part of this other thing. It, it, it's fine to know what you're against. That's, that's a good thing. But trying to define yourself according to those things is really problematic. You you end up trying to say, I just want to be the opposite of whatever this thing is, and the opposite of this bad idea is going to be another bad idea. That's And it's also not you discovering the truth. It's you just avoiding people who are jerks. Yeah. You could avoid people who are jerks and discover the truth at the same time. Those those you know, you can put those things together. I think it is if i could if i could quote the bible to you in a way that wouldn't seem like i'm trying to you know uh uh force that on you i think it would it would be uh we in uh, our today's society we have this mentality of there's what i believe and then there's what i do and these are separate worlds 
my belief is a thing that I subscribe to. I say this, I make a choice, I say I believe this thing. And then I get to have that label. You can't take that label away from me. You can't say I shouldn't be it. I, I declare it because it's a belief I have inside my head. You can't tell what's in my head. Then there's my actions, which you can't pay attention to at all. And you can't point out how these two things don't line up. And I get to do whatever I want because I am able to do whatever I want. This is kind of the way we think in, in 20th century or 21st century world is it, it's all a nebulous thing and who can parse all this. But if you look at the Bible, it puts these two things together and it says what you do in terms of your choices, your actions, the things that you put out into the world, the fruit that you bear, for example, to quote a well-known sticker. Is it an adorable bear holding a pineapple? It is It is not. It's just a, a tree that has fruit on it. That's oh, the, that's, uh, that's less adorable. That's it's, not very kitschy. It's not clever at all. But uh, the idea is that uh, what Scripture is saying is from your essence, from your being, will come this fruit. And, and I think we have that, we look at that and say, well, I do some bad things and some good things, so who's to say and where do we draw the line? I think it's the wrong way to look at that. The right way to look at that is to say that what I believe and what I do are all the same thing. It's all one function. And that um, if you have the desire inside of yourself to be a good person, to be a loving person, and a desire to follow God and follow that wherever it leads, you are going to find what you're looking for, like seek and you will find it. And uh, your the life that you live will be more and more godly as you pursue that inevitably, uh, you know, whatever, and that that will be pleasing to God and it will be pleasing to us. That's really a lot of really good stuff in there. And Jed, uh, one of the points that Glenn touched on that I think is worth uh, digging into a little more is this idea of the labeling yeah. and the groups going on here because I personally would totally sympathize with someone who looked at, let's say, Twitter, Facebook, and looked at the, the angry atheists on one side and the crazy Christians on the other and said, I would choose neither yeah. to be part yeah. of either of groups. But the thing about that is that the people who believe a thing are actually separate from the belief itself, right? That's exactly right. You wouldn't say, well, a lot of jerk faces believe in gravity, so I'm out on it. It's yeah, either nice. true or it's not. But how does that social aspect play into Hitler this? Hitler loved gravity. <laughs> Wow. I don't know if you know that. I think 398 episodes in, that's our first Hitler reference on the podcast. <laughs> there you go. If you had that on your bingo card at home, collect your prize. Well, oddly, as a way of answering that, let's talk about food for a second. So my mom, who you I... know who liked food. Yeah, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> let's get them all in on this yeah, one episode. As long as Lee has culpable deniability. Absolutely. All right, so... My mom, I love dearly, but man, is she not a gifted cook. Okay. And, and she would tell you that. Uh, okay. she, she doesn't like it's cooking. It's not like she tried, and she bought all the cookbooks, and she put in her best effort. Yeah, no. It's not she, interested. It's, just, it's not her jam. She's not particularly good at it. Um, and growing up, at one point, I don't remember what the heck this was supposed to be, but she made some kind of lentil stew. That stands out in my childhood memory to this day as the single grossest thing I have ever eaten in my entire life. The lentil stew doesn't look good just as a start. It does not. And the taste was commensurate with the appearance. It was bad. I mean, I, I, I have a visceral memory of a gag reflex trying to eat it. It was that <laughs> level of awful. But did she test it before she gave it out? Or Who knows, man? You, you think, right? So I hadn't, since like age eight, I hadn't eaten lentils since, because just one of those, nope, I had a bad experience. All right. So there's this really great place near where we live here. It's actually a Kashmiri restaurant, um, and they have a great buffet. And so Hallie and I like to go there, and, and it's great food. And they, they have actually a dish that has a bunch of lentils in it. And one day, Hallie encouraged me, he's like, you know, maybe not all lentil-containing dishes are you know, the personification of evil in the world, maybe it's it's worth trying. I said, that sounds like dangerous thinking, but okay. So I, she says, well, this one, you're supposed to use the bread. You scoop up a little bit with your bread and you eat it and, and you just, just give it a try. Yeah. And I tried it. It was amazing. It was so good. It was, it was like someone who knows how to cook it had cooked it. It, it was, wasn't the lentils. It, 
it, whatever it was, it was great. I, it was awesome. Okay, so if you if you fast forward now, I actually really like lentils a lot. They have to, they have to be made by someone who knows to make them, but but they're they're a good food. Okay, what does this have to do with anything? The Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." If someone gave you a really bad experience um, in life and told you, "Well, that's Christianity." That's that's what I just gave you. This thing that that was basically me kicking you in the shins. That was Christianity. A, I'm sorry, and all yeah. of us are sorry, and yeah. and that's it's a wrong thing. But B, I think you owe it to yourself to try and figure out if we could set that experience aside, which is a lot to ask. I know it is, but do you actually like Christianity aside from that? really awful introductory experience. And, and Jesus himself. And Jesus himself. In, in other words, if you have a dish with lentils that's the worst thing that you ever had, I think it may not be fair to you to say, I will never eat lentils again because this was just awful, awful, awful. No one is disputing that the dish was awful or that people have had terrible experiences that were done in the name of religion. But I think that it would be an unfortunate thing to say on that basis, I don't want to have a life of faith. Um, that that will be my responses. That may ultimately be what you decide on, but I think that you deserve to make that decision for yourself actively and not as a reactive thing to something negative in your life. I mean, give you one more example. Suppose you had never heard music before and somebody blared for you hardcore Swedish death metal. And you said, well, music's terrible and disturbing and I don't much care for it. It would be an awful thing if you said, well, on the basis, I will never listen to music. It, it's, it's, it's a terrible, angry sounding blur of noise and I want nothing to do with it. It would be an understandable thing. As someone who likes death metal, that would be the right response if that was the only music you'd ever heard. But we would actually want you to investigate music for yourself and see maybe there are kinds of music you like. It would be weird to go through life and never have anything to do with music. We don't want you to miss out. That's yeah. that's really the thing that we're saying here is all of us in our own lives have found an incredible amount of peace and reassurance and purpose and hope in our lives of faith. Maybe you find those things in other places, but we have found them in our lives of faith, and we don't want you to miss out on that. Um, the way that you would be able to experience that, though, is by investigating it for yourself. Just like Glenn is talking about, it's getting on a journey where you make your faith your own, and you get into it, where you do taste and see. You, you, you give God a shot. He, he says you will find he's good. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But you kind of have to get in there for yourself to find out for yourself. The thing that we want you to know is we believe that journey is absolutely worth taking. Even if you had some really rough experiences starting, that journey is still worth taking. And we're confident you're going to like what you find. I think that's absolutely right. That is all fantastic stuff from these guys. And one other aspect that I think should be interrogated here about this kind of idea of agnosticism, as, as Glenn started us off in that, that dictionary definition of uh, not knowing one way or the other, is I think we've gotten to a point in particularly... Uh, kind of Western culture where that is, can be risen up as the smartest thing you can do is to say, well, I've, I have judged that there are two point, two ideas. There's one over here and one over here. So the, the smart man stands directly in the middle of those. And that is where, you know, things do. And that means I get to kind of look down on both of these people on the two sides with their dumb believing in things and that can be religious that can be political that can be social you say well this person says that we shouldn't grind up the poor for food but this person says we should so i think we should grind up some of the poor for food how progressive i am a smart centrist um so but the idea of there also has we all have this on some issues it also has the delicious seeming out of i don't have to commit to anything i just kind of get to stand in the middle and not bear the brunt of being wrong about something or investing in something that's a little silly or has weird people who are a part of it. And the, again, the problem with that from our standpoint as people who believe in what's in the Bible is that uh, it's true. It's also outlandish and crazy. Don't get me wrong. We're just coming out of Christmas. I, I believe with everything in my being that a woman who'd never had sex got pregnant and gave birth to a guy who lived in a podunk village in a backwater who was a construction worker for like 30 straight years. And then in the last three years did a lot of stuff and got uh, executed by the Roman state. He also happened to be God that whole time. And because of that, I get to go to heaven. I'm not asking you to believe that that makes any kind of logical sense to you. 
I just happen to believe it's true. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. Here's the weird thing about truth. Being true doesn't actually make something less crazy. <laughs> right. You understand? You were talking about gravity earlier. The idea that, you know, there's these particles, but because of the way the earth is spinning, they're actually pulled towards each other. And the, the distance you are from, other, from larger bodies, because there's actually a fabric of space time and the bigger thing makes it in it. Yeah. No, all that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense to my little brain. It also just happens to be the observable truth of the universe around Matter us. Matter and energy are made of the same thing. That's that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's utterly cuckoo. It's true, but it's still crazy. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't, you don't find truth by by dispassionately looking at something from the outside and saying what makes the most sense to me. Right. So if you're if you're thinking about getting on that journey, the only way you can do it is is to get on it. And but as Jed's saying, that, I think it's a very important point. Um because it is true, because it is good, because there are these aspects of it, you're going to get so much more out of it than you put into it. That's kind of the, the promise of Christianity is, you know, you bring, you bring a little bit and Jesus brings everything to it. So there's that idea of fence sitting being the, the kind of the wise thing that someone does. It's a fairly new idea. And, but be it religion, obviously, you know, for us, that is Jesus. But even that in, if you take that out of religious context into, into issues, into thoughts and way, it's all also always better to believe in something than to just kind of dispassionately believe in nothing. So if that's the thing that's keeping you on the fence, then by, by all means feel, dig up that courage Jed's talking about there and, you know, come t- taste and see and give, give things a shot. And that doesn't have to be all at once. You don't have to go to everything at church and, you know, buy your stickers and all that stuff. You can a little bit at a time, one conversation at a time. That's all good stuff. You don't have to eat all the lentils at once. No, no, you shouldn't. That is a gastronomic emergency. <laughs> Waiting to happen in and of itself. All right, we're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, can you talk about honesty? We all want people to be honest with us, but not too honest. And we don't want to be honest to others because we all want to get away with things. How can I break out of this world of lies and secrets? And Jed, how indeed? How indeed? Well, I, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is that you can live a life that is open and honest. You can absolutely do that. You can't make other people do that. We live in a fallen world, so, uh, you know, you're going to deal with a certain amount of other people engaging in secrets and lies. That's kind of unavoidable. But, But again, the good news is that you can absolutely live a life that is open and honest. 100%. No question. That's the good news. The bad news... Now, it's only bad news because it's not what any of us want to hear. And on that level, it's bad news. The bad news is the way that you do that is you just get rid of shame. You let shame have absolutely zero control over your life. If you do that, you can live a life that's completely open and honest. The, the question is, um, how do we get rid of shame? How do we get to a point where that doesn't have control over us? Well, the immediate answer, of course, is that you're going to need the strength of Almighty God. That's actually not something you can just do on your own. But he's willing to provide the strength to do that, of course. So it feels like we would want to get to it, right? Except that with his strength, then the mechanism becomes taking hold of an unbelievable amount of humility. And that is something that most of us don't want to do. I'll give an example of what I mean. So one of the sayings that's used a lot in addiction recovery circles is you're only as sick as the secrets you keep. Let me say that again. That's worth thinking about. You're only as sick as the secrets you keep. There's a lot of truth to that. Most of us actually keep a lot of secrets. And it's worth asking, why are you keeping them? Why do, why do you have these secrets? I mean, to be clear, we all have things where it's nobody else's business, <clears throat> so you're, you're not going to go around talking about it. Like, I, I hope that you don't go around talking about your paycheck with just random people because it, it's none of their business and it, it would be kind of weird and kind of rude, and so you, you just don't do that. But that's not what I mean, and, and I, I'm sure you know that. Um, we all have things that we feel embarrassed about, and therefore we keep them a secret. And as long as we kind of keep them in the dark, they stay there gnawing at us. Uh, they, they, they stay there messing us up. I have a, a friend who uh, has gone through a lot of addiction recovery, and we uh, were working together on a project, but we were in very early phases where 
um, you know, I didn't actually need any kind of fast responses. We were emailing back and forth. And one time she, she took a few weeks and then she, she owed me an email and she emailed me back and she said, Hey, I'm sorry for the delay on that. I don't actually have an excuse. I just didn't write you back. And it was kind of a crazy moment because what's there to be mad at about that? Like, you could tell as she was writing the email, there was part of her that was going, lie, lie, think of something. My mom was sick. My hamster was sick. My mom's hamster was sick. It's something. You could tell she's thinking that. And she's like, no, I'm not. No, I just didn't. I I should have. I'm sorry. I, I just didn't. Think about the freedom that comes from that. We can't do that in every situation all the time because, of course, there, there are societal things and whatnot. But just take that as an example for a second. Think about the freedom that comes from saying, hey, I'm sorry. I was supposed to and I didn't. I'm sorry. I don't have an excuse. What could I say in response to that? A, I, that's fine. I, we, we've all done that. If we'll be honest, there's that humility. We've all done that. We've all, we've all had that moment of I should do this thing and I don't have a good reason and I didn't. I just didn't do it. So, but for her in that moment, what does she have to be afraid of? I'm either going to be cool about it or I'm not. And she doesn't have to in any way feel like she's leading me on or being weird. It's just, here's the plain unvarnished truth of the situation. It's an incredibly, incredibly freeing thing. Now, the risk, of course, is I might think of her as the kind of person who's, I guess, just sometimes, I guess you're just... You don't do things. Is it, is it like that? And the answer is yes. Sometimes I am that person. And I am telling you that. I am admitting sometimes I don't do things. If that's a problem for you, then we shouldn't work together. Again, it, it feels like kind of a, a bit of a mind screw because we're all trying desperately to make people think that we're more than we are. Um, Amen. And so the, the moment where someone would say, yeah, I'm not going to do that, I, you know, I, I want to be working on this, which is why I did ultimately email you back, but but sometimes I just don't do things. And so that's what this is. I think we're all afraid that the world would explode if we did that. I, yeah. I think we're all afraid that people would think less of us if we did that. And I think that we're all afraid that if people had a sense that we are imperfect, that sometimes we should do things and we just don't, that no one would want to have anything to do with us. I, I think I think we all have that fear. And so it creates this weird conundrum where we kind of know that we are those people because we all have things we're supposed to do that we just don't do sometimes with no good reason. That's true for all of us. But we're terrified that someone might find out. We're, we're terrified that the truth would come out, that we are imperfect. And that sometimes for no particular reason, we just don't. I think the... One form of strength that God wants to give us is to develop relationships where little bit by little bit, we can bring that kind of vulnerability to the surface. One of the details that I didn't mention is it's a very close friend of mine that I've known for years and years, and there's a lot of trust uh, between the two of us. So this is a person who knows that this is a safe place to be honest and open and vulnerable. And that, that kind of makes a huge difference. That said... I think God wants to give us the courage and the strength to build those kind of relationships where we can be our honest, authentic selves. But again, the way that we get there is by letting go of shame, by embracing the humility to to recognize I'm not perfect and I need to be able to admit that to other people. I need to at least have some people, at least a small circle of people in life where I can admit I I am a screw up. Um, I'm a work in progress. And sometimes that means that I just don't do the things that I should and that I deserve to be loved and accepted anyway, um, because that's what it is to, to live love-based relationships on this planet. Final point, you have what it takes to do that because you have the God who can empower you to do that. If you're thinking about this stuff, if you come far enough to ask a question about it, we want to encourage you to take the next step, to start asking the Lord for strength and courage and seeking out relationships where you can be vulnerable and open and honest and authentic. It's scary stuff, but it is absolutely worth it. That's a great point. It's an amazing way to start this off. And Glenn, let's pivot to uh, off what Jed said, which is the the person, everyone listening to this, everybody in the world has the ability to live uh, an honest life, an authentic life. But that doesn't mean telling Aunt Gladys that her shoes are ugly. That's right. That doesn't mean just saying the thing that's at the top of your mind all the time. There are smart ways to implement 
authenticity and honesty. How does that play into this idea? Well, uh, honesty is a virtue. Yeah. Uh, so we have this, uh, that means it's part of our godly character. That's the, this is part of what, what God is with us and he, what he wants us to be in the world. But all virtues work together. So if I say I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to do that in a way that is a, a big fat jerk, uh, or saying what a big fat jerk would say, you're not being loving within that. You're also not being kind. You're not being patient. You're not... Uh, you know, affirming someone's dignity, you're being rude. These are, you know, you're you're violating all these other virtues in order to only uphold one. That's not what righteousness is. So you haven't got any closer to it. Um, so it's not an excuse uh, for r- rudeness. And, and it's also, you know, uh, you know, I got to speak my truth, man. Mm. Uh, that it, it, we, uh, I see a lot of people use honesty as a sabotage. Yeah, you know, I think they're going to fire me, so I'm just going to go in there and tell these people there. You can all, you know, whatever. Uh, I think uh, there's also a certain amount of. Uh, it's just said I want to. I want to look good. I I want to deceive people to think I'm better than what I am. And ninety percent of the time, when people ask me about honesty, they've already decided not to be honest. Yeah, they just are trying to figure out how to live with it. That's a different thing. Uh, as Jed's pointing out, we have to find a way to to just live our authentic selves and and to show our imperfections to the world. Christians are the worst at that. I mean, they they all are trying to impress each other. What for? I don't know because. Here's the reality. If everybody in your church thought you were the best Christian walking the face of the earth, your life would not be any better in any dimension. It would generally be worse. It would definitely be worse. Envy is not a thing you want to have. I I know it seems apparently like that would be the best thing. Like your problems would be over. Everyone want to hang with you or whatever, but it's not like that. It's worth noting something we've seen time and time again. This is true for for people generally, but super true for Christians. People go from dismissing you to envying you with ever, without ever yep. stopping at admiration or respect in between. Oh man, that's you just said the truest thing ever on this stuff. So yeah, you don't you don't want that envy. So the reward that you would have for convincing people of this stuff would be a worse life. Why why are we doing that? The reality is, though, I think we also need to look at the fact that the lying doesn't work. If you tell me I didn't return your email because my auntie got sick or something, that works once. But if you don't return my emails 12 times in a row, I'm starting to ask how many aunties do you have? But I'm also deciding I don't care. Answer the email. Yeah. You know, that's if you can't answer the email, it kind of doesn't matter to me whether that's because you're a jerk or because you're too busy or you're lying or you just have a lot of sick ants. It's <laughs> you still aren't answering my email. You know, it's you're, it's not taking you to a magical place where you're gaining something. Yeah. In a, in the very short run, it can sort of buy you time. But I think even in that, people know you're lying. Like, a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, they may not be able to prove it, but they suspect it. And why put that out into the world? As, as Jed's pointing out, there's always, 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 always a way to tell the truth in a way that's loving, that's respectful, that that doesn't make you... You don't want to tempt people into thinking that you're terrible. In other words, the, the person that's emailing Jed in this situation isn't saying, I didn't get back to you because I didn't care. Yeah. Or because I'm a terrible person, because she's not a terrible person. Nope. It's just things happen, schedule, situation, circumstances. I get to what I get to, and I'm sorry I didn't get to this. Now this. That's, you know, we can all live with that. You know, it doesn't mean we have to like it, but we can all live with it. Uh, I think the the thing that we're 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 looking at here though is people get in their minds it's impossible. I can't possibly tell the truth here. Yeah. I can't. There's no way to express that. I think that's a cop-out. I don't like that thinking in general. There's always a way to do the right thing. If it's the right thing, there's a way that God's going to open up for that to happen. To give you a very quick example, um, 
uh, our co-workers, a man named uh, Peter Lawson, he uh, runs our bridge program that you hear us talking about. And uh, Pete is a very accomplished accomplished bass player. He's He played upright uh, bass in orchestras and all that. He can play electric bass. He knows this instrument and how to play it incredibly well. So because I'm the kind of person I am, I said, why don't you teach me how to play bass for free? And then because I'm his boss, he had to do it. So he's showing me some stuff on the bass. Now, here's the thing. Almost everything he showed me sounded and looked and felt wrong. I, I play a little bit of guitar. I'm used to that. He's telling me, to, and, and it's shaped similar, so I think I can just do the same things. And he starts showing me how to hold it and where to put my hands, just the very basic fundamental things. And all of it feels wrong. And it feels like I don't want to do it that way. Now, I have several different options of how I can respond. I could say, this is dumb and you're dumb and you don't know anything about bass. Well, that that would be insane. I'm not going to say that. Uh, I could say, this feels weird. I'm going to do it my way. That would also be just being a jerk. That's that's not living your truth. You're just you're just insulting somebody, really. I could say very politely and very Christianly, well, I appreciate your advice. I will take that under advisement, and I will we will see, and I will give that some effort. All I'm saying there is I'm going to try this halfway. It's not going to immediately work. Then I'm going to throw you and this advice under the bus as soon as humanly possible. That's still an insult. That's still not respectful. But what I did in that instance was to, when he says, you know, put your hands like this, I say, that feels weird. That's, that's an honest response. That doesn't, that's not, my instinct is not to do it that way. And, that, and I'm asking questions now. I'm saying, wouldn't it be better if I did it my way because there, I have more leverage and it's a thing and it would get, let me reach these notes better? And he's saying, good question, no, do it this way and see how you're able to, to function better with it. And I did it that way, and he's right. So it's easy enough in that instance to say, aha, I see what you're saying, it's lovely. But I can go like this all day, and I did. He told me 20 things, and I said, wait, how can that be? If this is, I'm questioning everything. I'm telling him that all of it sounds wrong. But I'm doing that in a way that acknowledges I know that I don't know, and I know that he does know. I just need him to explain that to me. And I'm, the process of wrestling that out and asking those questions is, is getting more wisdom out of him, and it's, it's giving him a chance to really speak to um, my uh, uh, doubts and issues and concerns about all of this thing. That's the kind of thing you can do with anyone that you have a disagreement with. You can go in and say, Pastor, you were saying this, you know, it, what, why were you saying that instead of this? It, there's this verse. Does that apply to this? Does it not? I'm confused. Help break this down for me. There's a way that this makes sense in my head. I'm not saying I'm right. But I'm just saying, show me what you're saying. Take some time and unpack what you're saying. You can do that with anybody. And I, I would encourage you to, to live that kind of honestly, to be, be willing to ask questions gently and respectfully with it, with a real desire to learn. That's all fantastic stuff on that. Okay, if you have a question for us, set podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Take the song this week. This is from our live Bridge Worship record, available on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you download or by music. Uh, I think a good New Year's Day song. This is one of Jed's original worship songs called I Am New. Take that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Say That Podcast asking to say that question of the week. You know who never listens to this podcast? Hitler. <laughs> wow. I am new. I am new. No matter what I've done or do.
same Because I have a Savior And all my sins are paid for I am shamed Let's go back to the start of that song, Miss Tiffany Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we want our lives to be different.